Genesis chapter 1, I just want to share some stuff with you today uh, that's just been burning in my heart, and, uh, and I know it's going to minister to many of you. As many of you know, we love the love of God. As many of you know, we, we, it's almost like, you know, we just kind of like to camp around the love of God being continually revealed to us as people. Um, as Christians, as sons and daughters, we like to just camp around the reality that God is love and he's revealing himself to us. And how many know that even the apostle Paul prayed for the church and he, he said, I'm praying that your eyes would be opened and that you would know the eyes of your heart would be opened and you would know the height, the depth, the length, the breadth, the love of God. Like it's not just it's not just something we arrive at one time in our life when we're born again or we're filled with the Spirit or, you know, we encounter God's presence or His love and we think, oh, yeah, God loves me, praise God. It, it's, not, it's not something that we, uh, we understand based on our definition of love, love that's defined by culture, life, uh, and, and our own personal experiences and all of that stuff, but it's a love that is revealed to us over time. And I believe that the love of God will be revealed to us throughout all of eternity. How many could say amen? And I want to just read this, this uh, couple verses here in the book of Genesis. And we're going to jump over to first John. And then we're going to talk about something um, that is befitting for that. So it says in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in the Hebrew, it's, it's almost like a paradox because God is Elohim, uh, and it's a plural. So it says, in the beginning, God, plural, created, singular. It's actually like, a, it's almost like a grammatical Hebraic air. But there's, there's something that the author knows that, that he's revealing as he's writing. It says, in the beginning, God created. The word create is bara. It's interesting that that word actually is, uh, is from all of chapter one, it's, it's mentioned three different times in three different verses. And the third time it's mentioned three times. There's like a pattern to it. There's almost like a rhythm to it. It says in the beginning, God created bara, the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God say spirit of God was hovering over the waters, kind of like how the Spirit is hovering in this place right now. The Holy Spirit brooding like an eagle over its nest, brooding. And so there's this hovering. So in the first verse here, and in the second verse, you see God the Creator. You see the Creator God, and then you see that this God is also a Spirit. You see this God, God in the beginning, God Elohim, plural, there's like this mysterious oneness and plurality in, in this Godhead revealed in the very first verse of the Bible. It's beautiful. And then verse 3, and God said, let there be light. Then there's this word that God speaks. Now, if we read the New Testament, see the Bible says the worlds were framed, Hebrews chapter 11, by what? The word of God. I think this thing has a reverb and it needs to come down if you would please. Sounds like I'm singing karaoke. You don't want me to sing karaoke. For some reason, I can sing worship okay, but I'm not good at karaoke, man. I'm just, I'm horrible. Some of you guys can bring it on karaoke. We need to have a karaoke night at church. Wouldn't that be fun? Just right here in the sanctuary. Mm, everyone's like, oh, maybe not. Maybe we won't do that. 
So in, on, in these three verses, you see God the creator, you see God the spirit, and then you see the word of God. There's this triune God revealed in the very beginning. And then obviously, as we go on throughout the scripture, you can see it in the book of Genesis uh, later on where it says, let us make man in our image. There's this plural, let us. Well, who's us? In the, in the you know, the, uh, in Judaism, the Shema, the Lord, that God is one. There's, there's this picture of God being Elohim and God being one. How many know that we have that revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ? It's called the Trinity. Just say Trinity. Trinity. Now, this is something that's fundamental to the historic Orthodox Christian faith, yet has been fundamentally forgotten, and it has, it has actually caused so much damage that we may not realize that our understanding of God has been completely contaminated. And part of the way we see God is just like the archaic pagan deities of man-made religion. The man-made religions that were formed out of the mind of fallen Adam hiding from God in the bushes. And there's something so profound about just reading the first three verses of the Bible and seeing that God was revealed as Father, Son, and Spirit. Now I want you to jump over real quick to 1 John chapter 4. You guys enjoying this so far? Okay, that's the best I got. So if not, you can leave. The door's right over there. I'm just messing with you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. This is a memory verse. Okay, this is a verse you want to soak in. It says here, I love the, the whole context of, of uh, the letter of John, the first letter of John. Verse 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God. Now, we could just stop right there. That's about a million messages of our lifetime. Whoever does not love does not know God. Now, look at this powerful statement right after that. For God is love. Now, I want you to understand something, that the God of archaic religion is a monad, lonely, omni-being, powerful, uh, lonely God. From all of creation, before time began, you know, we look at the creation of the universe. What happened before creation? Creation of our world, creation of the universe. What, I mean, God is eternal. But the understanding that religion gives us of God is like this lonely God uh, that, you know, is, uh, he, he may have the capacity of loving. Um, you know, it's the God of Ju- Judaism. It's the God uh, of Islam. And it's many other understandings of God if you study different religions. But the scripture and, and in the life of Jesus, we have a different revelation of who God is. So John says, God is love. How many know that you cannot have love without relationship? It's impossible. Love necessitates relationship. Now, why is that so important? See, we've got to start in Genesis 1, three verses, with God as Father, Son, and Spirit, And look at everything from that lens and then understand that love necessitates relationship. Therefore, if God is love, in other words, God, love is not an attribute of God. It is the essence of who God is. This is fundamental to Orthodox Christian faith, but it's so important. So it says God is love. Why is God love? Because he, before the foundation of the world, before time began, before creation, existed in three persons, the mystery of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, three in who they are, one in what they are. It's a mystery. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Now, why is this important? Now, the early church, uh, how many are ready to learn a little Greek? Come on, somebody. I had some Greek food last night. It was so good. Oh, distraction. Thank you, Jesus. Fasting for the Lord. Fasting for the Lord. Fasting. No, I'm not fasting. Well, you know, when I stopped fasting, I started seeing more spiritual breakthrough. Isn't that awesome? Some of you are like, I fast all the time. That's good for you. I don't. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I feast. And there's, so, and you know, I find myself, glory. Hey, it's Thanksgiving. Come on, man. Praise God. I find myself inadvertently fasting, though, when I'm so focused. And then, oh, I haven't ate all day. And I'm just caught up. I think that's the way fasting should be. So I want to teach you a Greek word. That, that the early church came up with to help define this mystery of the Godhead. This mystery of the Godhead that Jesus reveals, Luke chapter 3, the first time we see it in the New Testament, Jesus is being baptized. The voice from heaven comes and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus, the son, God, the son is in the water. And then the dove comes in between the father and the son. The, the dove comes and descends and which is the, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit. So we see the triune God revealed in Luke chapter 3. And so there's this mystery about the Trinity. Now, the early church church, uh, mainly the Eastern church, came up with this word to help describe it. And if we could get it up there, it's perichoresis. You see it up there? And what it means is perichoresis is a mutual indwelling without loss of distinction. Now, I want to talk about this word for a minute because it goes into what we want to get into. So this word, it comes from peri, which is like like where we get the word periscope, round or circular. Uh, and then choresis is where we get the word choreography. That's where we get the word dance. Come on, somebody. Hey, 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 I was prophetically dancing. Don't quench my spirit, man. So there's this word they came up with where it's like this circle, this divine circle where the triune Godhead, it's almost like this divine dance, this dance of love. So all of creation, everything beautiful, everything good, all of creation, you, I, this is how God created the world. This is how he created, it all came out of God, this God that preexisted everything, Father, Son, and Spirit, God of love, it's not something that he does, it's, it's who he is. Love is not a verb that God does, it is a noun that God is. He is love, it's the essence of his being, it's intrinsic to his nature, God is love. And there was this divine dance of Father, Son, and Spirit living in perfect harmony, perfect love, perfect fellowship, and joy before the creation of the world. And that's how the world was created. We start with the Father, Son, and Spirit. So there's this this word that describes a dance. It's a divine dance. It's a dance of love. How many love dancing? Not me, obviously. Unless I'm dancing with my girl. Come on, somebody. Mm. I'll do the double lip bite, too. You guys know what the double lip bite is? If you're white, you do the single lip bite. Classic rock, right? How many classic rock lovers do we have in the house? Single lip bite. It's kind of nasty looking. Mm, Yeah, man. The double lip bite, though. Rochelle's dad is Brazilian. He did the double lip bite when he played bass. This is a double lip bite. Mm. 
the double lip bite. You know, some of you do the double lip bite when you dance. You just start and you're like, hmm. It's like this, right? Think about it. Are you guys alive this morning? I'm just having fun. Just let me have fun, okay? Leave me alone, guys. I just want to have a little fun. There's this dance, this life. And now you could look at something under the microscope and it, it looks like it's dancing because it is. Because it was created by the Father, Son, and Spirit, the, the creator of life itself. There's this dance in, you could look at the circles of dance in, in like cultures, you know, the Hebrew culture and, and like the, uh, the Irish culture. And there's all these different circles of dance because we're emulating our creator. So there's this dance, this divine dance of love. And this is the word that the early church came up with. It's a mutual indwelling without loss of distinction. Now, here's what I want to say. Everybody longs for this. Every person longs for this. Don't we long for oneness yet without losing who we really are and who God made us. We long for it in community. Actually, community is an outflow of the triune life of God. Marriage is an outflow of the triune life of God. Children are an outflow of the triune life of God. Church is an outflow of the triune life of God. This word... Perichoresis is a mutual indwelling without loss of distinction that Jesus are, are separate, the father, the, Jesus and the Father are separate, uh, but they're one. It's this circle, this dance. It's like this divine dance. Now, I want to mention something here. It's really powerful. In Genesis 1, you see God creating, and you see, what, what does he say over and over and over again? It is good. It's good. Say it out loud. Say, it's good. God looked at what he made. He said, it's good. Now, that's how we should look at things, too. A lot of Christians, they, they look at the world, and they're like, oh, gosh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, you know, with gasoline draws on. Come on, somebody. And we just, we, it's like we have this negative outlook on life. But God created everything. He said, it's good. Now, how many know that, that our eschatology should be one that is redemptive and restorative, not escapism? Like, we should look at things and say, oh, man, it's good. And so you see over and over, it's almost like a rhythm to this dance of life, this perichoresis, this divine dance. God says, let us make man. It is good. It is good. It is good. And then he creates man the seventh time. He says, it is very good. Look at the person next to you say, you look very good. Some of you guys just lied, but we won't talk about that. Now, you look good to God, but I don't know. Not everyone thinks everybody looks good. This is so powerful. Check this out. So God says, it is good. It is good. It is good. It's almost like a rhythm. It is good. It is good. It's a rhythm of love, of creative energy and power, of force coming from the heartbeat of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And it just flows outward. It is good. It is good. And then everything stops at Genesis 2.18. He said, it is not good. Now, this is before the fall. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, let's read what it says. You probably don't have this back there. It's okay. Genesis 2.18. And the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. It is good. It is good. You got like your rhythm down there. God's like, hold up. 
He said seven times, over and over and over. And then he's like, and the land's good, and the food's good. Then he goes, and it's not good. This is not good, though. That man should be, it is not, God said before the fall that it is not good for man to be alone. That's why I got my girl with me. Come on, somebody. He says, he who finds a wife finds favor from the Lord. It is not good. He says, I'm going to make Adam a companion. I'm going to make him somebody unique designed for him. This is where God instituted marriage. God instituted community, family. This is what we see God saying. Everything is great except this right here. God, we're made in his image. And then God says, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So there's this divine dance that takes place. And then we look and we say, well, that's, that's how things were created. But then we can ask the question, well, why were things created? That's, that's a good question. We could, as Christians, we could observe the beauty of who God is revealed to us in Jesus. That he's a God of love. You know, God is light. God is, uh, you know, a savior who redeems us. He's a forgiver of our sins. He's a healer. Come on, he ate with the sinners. We just, we see who God is in the incarnation. And we see how he created uh, everything. We see that, you know, through the Father, Son, and Spirit, because he preexisted everything and he is love, that it came out of that. Everything that is beautiful comes out of that life of God itself. But why is a good question. Why? But why? I want you to turn over to Ephesians chapter 2, or Ephesians chapter 1 real quick. So we see this divine dance, this dance of life. We see it in creation. We see it in family. We see it in marriage. Matter of fact, the first time my wife and I really started having a connection heart to heart is when I asked her to dance with me at a wedding. You know, it's funny how how many times people meet at weddings because love is in the air. Come on, somebody. Is that a song? Is that a Frank Sinatra song? Love is in the air. Maybe not. But love was in the air. And I remember as clear as it, it could be yesterday coming up to my wife and asking her to slow dance with me. Matter of fact, I got a kiss about an hour later. Just a peck, gentlemen. A little more than a peck, but it wasn't nothing crazy. It was sweet, and I asked permission, gentlemen. Amen. There was, there was, there was love stirring in our hearts because we're at a wedding observing. And that's what happens when we observe the divine dance of who God is. It pulls us into love. It pulls us into this divine life where where now community can be healthy, marriage can be healthy, church can be healthy. So if those things are not healthy, maybe we're not observing the divine dance of life. Father, Son, and Spirit, God is love. Why? So he created everything, but why? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, ready? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That will preach right there. We're begging for blessings, praying, fasting, ripping our, tearing our clothes. God, please, you know, rend the heavens and come down. The cry of the prophets were answered in Jesus. We live under an open heaven. The Bible says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You don't have to beg for a blessing, just receive it. 
Just open your heart. Understand where you're at. You're seated with him in heavenly places. Verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So before he created everything, you have this divine dance, Father, Son, and Spirit. And they're just in perfect love, joy, harmony. Father, Son, Spirit, love existed before anything. And out of that love was created everything. But before everything was created, God said, I want to adopt you. I want you to be my son, my daughter. Paul has this revelation. Paul has this understanding. The early church has this revelation. It's a mystery. It's a mystery that's still being revealed. But as Christians, something is so simple as the Father, Son, and Spirit, sometimes we have fundamentally forgot what is so fundamentally important because if we see life through this lens, it changes everything. It changes everything. People become more valuable. Life becomes more valuable. Community becomes more valuable because there's a rhythm to this divine dance. It is good. It is good. And then God says, Genesis 2.18, it is not good for men to be alone. And there's something that's so, uh, it's so demonic about isolation. And there's something so beautiful about being woven into community. So we know why or how it was all, all created, how, why the world or how the world came about. But what about why? 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 Because God is in fact inviting you and I to participate in this divine dance. Matter of fact, later on in Ephesians, read this, it's so powerful. It says, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Wow, come on. Now read the whole chapter later. Read it, soak it in. It's so beautiful. Now predestination is not some fatalistic thing where God foreknows outside of time and chooses you and chooses some not to be destined and some to be destined. That's a Greek philosophical lens you need to take off. Predestination is predetermination is the same thing that on Thanksgiving you predetermined in your heart to eat some turkey and you did. Come on somebody. I predetermined in my heart to preach to you today, and I am. God predetermined his heart before the creation of the world to adopt you as his son, as his daughter. It's your choice. If you want to receive that forgiveness, you want to receive that life, you want to come into this beautiful divine dance that we're all called to participate in, shall we dance? God's holding his hand out. Later on, Paul says this. Look, it's so beautiful. Uh, Later on in this chapter, verse 13 And you were also included in Christ. Say, included in Christ. Included in Christ. Mystically, all of humanity was included in Christ 2,000 years ago. Put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. All of creation, the bad guys, ISIS, mystically somehow included in Christ in the death, burial, and resurrection doesn't mean that they're going to be saved. They've got to receive the forgiveness. We don't, we don't, it's a mystery. There's a paradox to it, but we were included in Christ. 
We're not included when we pray a special magical prayer. We were included 2,000 years ago. We're not forgiven when we pray a magical prayer. We were forgiven 2,000 years ago. We receive the forgiveness when we open our heart to the love of God. This is so important to get because we still have all these hoops. We make people jump through because we got all our evangelical tools and we want people to come up to our level of ascension, of mental ascent. I know the Bible and I've been taught verse by verse for 29 years. Oh, who gives a rip? You don't even act like Jesus. Just love somebody into the kingdom. Stop trying to jam Jesus down people's throat. Just love them. We see it in the life of Jesus to Peter. Do you love me? Do you agape me? Peter denied the Lord. Well, I always give Judas a hard time. What about Peter? And we all fall into that category from time to time. We've all denied Jesus in one way or another. Peter says, do you, Jesus says, do you agape me, the love of God, agape? Peter says, you know I phileo you, brotherly love, companion. And then he asks him again. You could imagine this thing where Peter's like turned away. He's turned away in shame. Jesus asks again, Peter, do you agape me? Lord, you know I phileo you. He's responding with a different word. He couldn't say it. He couldn't say, I, I love you with that, uh, that love that's unquenchable till death do us part. He couldn't say honestly from his heart, like he said before the denial, like I'll die with you, Lord. And then Jesus the third time says, Peter, do you phileo me? In other words, Jesus came right where he's at and grabbed a hold of his heart. Peter says, yes. I love you, Jesus. He said, and take care of my lambs, my sheep. So this is beautiful here. In Ephesians 1, look at this. Let's keep reading. It says, you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. It talks about it being a down payment. It is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Now, now I want you to think about this. You have an inheritance from God. It's life everlasting. It's sonship. You have an inheritance from God. Say, I have an inheritance. We have an inheritance together. And so this is so powerful here, this word down payment. Now, I'm sure many of you here, some of you bought a house. How many had to put a down payment on a house? Or earnest money deposit. Sometimes earnest money deposits are, are what's called hard. In other words, you, you, let's say the house is $100,000. We'll just use round figures. And you got to put an earnest money deposit of $5,000. And the seller wants to make sure you perform to buy the house that you're in contract legally with the realtor or whatever. And they say, you've got to deposit an earnest money deposit um, that you are going to, and if you pull out of this, then we get to keep your five grand. That's called hard earnest money deposit. So in the Greek, it could depict that. It's taught that way. Another way to look at it is like a seal. There was a signet seal on a letter from a king or royalty where there was like this seal of wax where someone receiving a letter uh, from a royal person or, or from the royal family, they would know that it was legitimately from them by this signet, this seal. But then there's another Greek uh, understanding of it. And today, if you actually go to Greek and you would use the, go to Greece and you'd use the word erabon, say erabon. And erabon is a different picture. It's, it's a picture of not an not a earnest money deposit, not a signet seal on a letter, but the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. It's, it's more like if I were to propose 
to my wife and get down on my knees and give her a ring, the ring is the erebon. There's, there's a love connection to it. It's like I'm inviting her in to my life and I'm saying, would you be one with me? This is the picture that we have. This is the why. The why God created everything was because he wanted you to be included in the divine dance. Oh, man. Can you feel the love of God? I want you to read, we're going to read these couple quotes here. So powerful. First one from James B. Torrance. Let's read that one. Let's get it up there. James B. Torrance. The prime purpose of the incarnation is to lift us up into a life of communion, a participation in the very triune life of God. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Let's look at the next one. For that was the very purpose and end of our Lord's incarnation, that he should join what is man by nature to him who is by nature God. St. Athanasius from the early church who used that beautiful Greek word to exemplify this divine dance, perichoresis. The perichoresis that we're invited into. Now let's look at a C.S. Lewis quote uh, And he's referring to this. The whole dance or drama or pattern of this three personal life is to be played out in each one of us. You see, if I'm still living in this place where I'm believing in this God that's alone and he just wants to be worshipped and he created everything for his glory, I live that out. If I'm still believing in these archaic religions that were formed in the fallen mind of Adam, hiding in the bushes, I'm still going to live in fear, anxiety. I'm still, I'm still going to be afraid of rejection, abandonment, depression, sin, death, just all the things that come with it. But if I step over and I begin to participate in the divine dance of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, I learn to love and I can hear the rhythm of this dance and the the rhythm that I'm hearing is the love that's beating from the very heart of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And when I sit in this and I'm dancing in this, then I am the husband that God wants me to be to my bride. Then I'm the pastor that I'm called to be to the church. Then I'm the, the father I'm called to be to my sons and daughters. Come on, somebody. We need to participate. God is he's getting on his knees. This is the call. He He proposed to you 2,000 years ago. He gave you a ring called the Holy Spirit. It's the Erebon. And he's inviting you into this beautiful divine dance. And he's wanting you to participate in real living, real life. It's the abundant life Jesus came to give. In John 10.10, he says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life. And life more abundantly. This is the God kind of life. The kind of life that really has functional relationship it's the relationship that you it's not your friends one day and then the next day your enemies and you don't even know why I, I just I love I, you know God professing Christians that, that I've had in my life in the past it's like one minute they're your friend and the next minute they're your enemy and you have no idea why and they drop off the planet they drop off Facebook and you're like what happened to these people well little do I realize that they just don't know who they are that they were created for this divine life I don't have to live in a dysfunctional form of relationship come on somebody but I can live and I can be known 
known and I can know based on who I am as a son and a daughter of the living God. You're invited to participate into this. Let's look at it real quick in John chapter 17. I'm going to be closing soon. Are you all enjoying this this morning? I don't know, man. I was like going for it and everybody's just staring at me crazy. Y'all need to just do the divine dance this morning, okay? John chapter 17, verse 21 through 24. Wow, this is so powerful. Are you ready? This is so powerful. Do you know, let me just add this. Do you know that in Genesis or in Exodus where Moses said, I want to see your face. I want to see your face. God's like, you can't see my face and live. A lot of people think because he's so holy and just that Moses would have just turned to dust. I don't think that's what it is. I think that he couldn't comprehend or even, he wouldn't have known what to do with the revelation of the glory of God's face that we have seen in Jesus. This is what the Bible says. So much love, so much grace, because the people wanted religion. Even God offering, hey, I want you guys to come to the mountain. I want everyone to be a priest. And they saw the lightning, the thunder, they, the way they perceived it. They're like, no, no, no. You go to God. You, you be the priest. We, just, we want an ark, and we want what other religions of, of the Near East had in that time. We want commandments. We want a law. You know, the law was an upgrade of some of the law of that time, and So you see this thing where Moses says, I want to see your face. Do you know what the the word face means in the Hebrew? It means from before time. Moses wanted to see the divine dance. Oh, man. Moses wanted to see what happened before it all. And I believe God gave him a glimpse. Remember, he said, go in the rock and I'll pass by. And he wrote it in Genesis 1, verse 1 through 3. So powerful. Now, Jesus is is praying for believers, John chapter 17, verse 21, that they may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. This is that divine dance. This is that mystery where we're one, but we don't lose our uniqueness. That they may also be one in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be where I am and to see my glory. Wasn't that the prayer of Moses? Wasn't that the prayer of Moses? You know what the glory of God is? The glory, the glory of anything is the very essence of that person or thing. You know what the glory of God is? It's the revelation of the love of the Father, Son, and Spirit. We want healthy marriages. We want healthy family. We want healthy community, healthy church. Even in the midst of our brokenness, that God loves all the crap out of us because we just let him love us because we're not perfect. But if we just behold his glory that he gave us, the glory the revelation of the love of the Father, Son, and Spirit that we are invited into. If we behold the dance, but don't just behold it, but we come and we decide to participate in the life of God. So Jesus says that the glory that I've given them, I want them to see my glory. The glory, look at this. You have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. 
boom, there it is. Why do I feel like I'm the only one in the room who's excited about this? <laughs> so powerful. Jesus just lays it out because you love me before the creation. That's the glory I want my disciples, the people I want. And then the world sees it. The world, why? Because the bride is so in love and so one and so caught up in this union because of what Jesus did in the incarnation. The bride is singing. The bride is glowing. Any woman that is loved by her husband has a glow on her face. She's smiling. Why are you so happy? I'm just so in love. I know when I love my wife, I let her go shopping, baby. Oh, she comes in with shopping bags. Oh, I'm so in love. Glory to God. She just doesn't say glory to God. She should though. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, the, and the sparkle in her eye because she sees the love that I have for her. She feels it because my heart is turned towards her. And there's something about that union, that divine life that it's participated in marriage, in family, in community. And when the world sees that, they're drawn to it like a bug is drawn to light. Yeah. Oh man, that's what I've been waiting for. I'm tired of this Jerry Springer life. I need real life. I want to participate in the divine dance. And when they see that Jesus got on his knees, or rather spread his arms wide on a cross and proposed and said, I have an bond for you. And I want to seal it with the Holy Spirit because it was a love proposal because he was calling us to dance. He's saying, would you dance with me? Would you participate in this relationship? Because that's why I created you. See, theology is so stuck on the hows. What about the whys? What about why? Why? Because he loves you with undaunting, implacable love. That if you just comprehended a drop of it, in all the oceans of the world, one drop of his love for you, you'd be flat on the ground, shaking and crying and snotting and laughing for five hours. Well, how do you know that? I don't know. It just sounds really good. Five hours, one drop. All the oceans of the world, one drop of his affection for you, one drop of his radical love for you. The Father loves you before all of creation. You know how significant you are? I love what my spiritual father says. He says, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. He says, you're so awesome, you can't even help it. Daniel, you're so awesome, you can't even help it. And the father looks at you as his son and his daughter. And he says, I'm so proud of you. I was praying the other day and preparing for this. And I heard the Lord's voice. And I'm saying, God, but the church could be better. God, but this could be better. And I'm complaining. I'm like, God, but we should be bigger than we are. And God says, look at what I'm doing. I'm so proud of you, son. I heard the Father's voice. And when you grow as a Christian and you participate in the divine dance, you're hearing the Father's voice. It's the rhythm of love from his heart. And he's saying, you're my daughter, Glenda. And he says, you're my daughter. You're my son. And when you hear that, you come alive and you can live abundant life. That's what Jesus came for. Reconciliation. Reconciliation. Brought near by the blood, by his very life. Brought near, forgiven, cleansed. A new covenant established for you and I to participate in between the Father and the Son. We've been woven in the fabric of the triune Godhead. We've been woven into the life of God because of his great love for us. Can I hear you say amen?
I want you to close your eyes right now. And just, would you lift your hands up and just say, Father, I receive your love. Oh man, I just, I heard the voice of God the other day. I was sitting there and I was discouraged. Pastor Zach, I thought you were never discouraged. Wrong. I was sitting in my yard. I'm so blessed. I'm so thankful. I said, God, it's just, it's kind of a struggle right now. And the father says, I'm so proud. I heard his voice. It was so clear. Brought tears to my eyes. I said, you are Papa? He said, yeah, son, I'm so proud of you. And the father is reverberating. It's echoing right now. The same voice that reverberated from heaven in Luke chapter 3, revealing the divine dance, the father, son, spirit. What you hear is the father's voice over Jesus saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the father's looking at you. Romans chapter eight, verse 15 through 17. The father, it's the spirit of God that bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And we cry out, Abba, Father.